Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. The Volvo XC60 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid is about performance. Not just on the road, but in life. With not only trunk space, but room to make memories. It's electric with a backup plan where the only speed that matters is how fast you can slow down. The Volvo XC60 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. Performance where it matters the most. Visit volvocars.com US to learn more. Longest Shortest Time is brought to you by Invite. Your genes can tell you if you're 12% French or 6% Italian. They can also tell you a lot about your future health. When you take an Invite genetic test, they search for meaningful health information, like whether you're at an increased risk for inherited cancer or heart disease. Based on your results, you may be able to take steps to potentially lower that risk. Learn more by visiting Invite.com. That's I-N-V-I-T-A-E.com. Connecting with a newborn can be hard work. I mean, seriously, some of the hardest work you'll ever do. There's just so much else going on when you bring a baby home that you really have to fight your way to those moments where bonding comes naturally. When my daughter was brand new, I I tried to remind myself one time each day that I needed to find a way to connect with her. Maybe that would be brushing my lips against her ear and and consciously noticing that I was enjoying it or, or just noticing how cute it was that she couldn't yet make eye contact. For a lot of us, the kind of bonding that comes effortlessly, where, where you're not even thinking about it, doesn't happen for weeks or, or even months. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know um, that I had a rough recovery. I had an episiotomy with lots of complications. And if you don't know what an episiotomy is, it's when they make an incision into your vaginal tissue to help get the baby out. The whole thing left me unable to walk for two months. And the pain lasted long after that in a place where you really don't want to be feeling pain. And I think that's a huge part of what made bonding tricky for me in the beginning, But a few months in, I did start bonding with Sasha without thinking about it. And the way it happened was I started singing to her. There's this time I can remember um, I was holding her in bed and the sun was was like shining in on us and I was making up this song for her. It went like this. I love your little baby hair and your little baby cheeks and your little baby eyes and your little baby eyelashes. I love your little baby shoulders and your little baby arms and your little baby wrists and your little baby fingernails. And then it would go, you know, all the way down the body um, and it would end like this. You're my baby, and I love you, and all of your little baby parts, baby parts. So um, there's this social worker I talk to sometimes, um, Allison McCormick. Um, she's the one from our Parenting Hacks Hangout. 
which if you didn't catch it, you, you can find it archived at longestshortesttime.com. Anyway, um, Allison works with moms um, and their babies and toddlers. And I was telling her about this song and, and how I found that even now, almost four years later, when Sasha is going through like a, a tantrum phase, sometimes the only thing that will reset her is to hold her like a baby and, and sing that song. And, and Allison had this theory. She said, I wonder if that's not an accident. Like maybe, maybe you were singing about Sasha's perfect little body because your body was so wrecked. And, and maybe you were unconsciously singing about your core parenting issue. And come to think of it, she said the song that she made up for her son was about her core parenting issue. And, and the one that her mother-in-law made up for her husband was about her core parenting issue. And, and wouldn't it be cool, she said, if, if we could test out this theory with your podcast listeners. So I did. I brought this question to you. I posted it on the blog and, and you answered and, and sent me your songs and talked about the meanings of those songs and how they relate to your parenting issues. So I'm going to play five of those songs for you. Um, we'll start with one that came from a mom named Orna, who grew up speaking Hebrew at home. And Orna feels guilty that she hasn't been carrying on that tradition with her daughter. So she made up a lullaby for her in Hebrew. Lila Tov, Billy Madeline Alechet, Vishon. Hi, uh, my name is Ria, and I wrote this song for my son. Um, I was weaning him, and it's kind of about this conflict of me pulling away from my attachment from him and also thinking about how he would be pulling away from his attachment to me in the future. You tell me how it's going to be I set the rules but you make them lean Sometimes these days I just feel mean hard when you love to make a scene. Hi, my name is Karen Schwartz and I want to tell you about the song I used to sing for my son, Dylan. He's a twin and now he's a really happy kid. Um, in some ways, much easier in terms of temperament than his brother. But back when he was an infant, he was just off the charts, fussy, colicky, you know, one of those babies who would cry from like 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. straight, no matter what you did. And so this is the song I would sing to him as he was crying in the middle of the night over and over. But of course, you know, I was also singing it to myself. It's hard to be a baby. So hard when you're a baby. It's hard to be a baby named Dylan. I'm Reka. And I'm mom to Asha um, one morning in the shower when I was visibly pregnant. I was really surprised that I wanted to sing to her because the pregnancy before Asha, I lost at 28 weeks. Um, I was so surprised by my desire to connect with this little being inside me um, despite so much fear. And it's You Are My Sunshine. But I can't stand those lines where they say, you'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. 
So I sang this. Boo-boo, you are my boo-boo. You make me happy when skies are gray. You will soon know, dear, how much I love you. That will be such a wonderful day. Hi, my name is Kari Stewart, and I live in London, England. And my son Aiden has never liked having his nappy changed, having his diaper changed. Uh, but when he was a newborn and I would change his diaper, he would cry so hard he would go purple from lack of oxygen. And so I made up a song that I would sing to him to try to calm him down. Aiden, Aiden, you're my baby boy. Aiden, Aiden, my heart's pride and joy. I love you more every day. Please don't ever go away. You're my favorite baby, Aiden. And I thought it was so interesting what you wrote about um, the songs you make up having to do with your issues, because that please don't ever go away is definitely one of my issues. I would say probably my biggest fear in life is losing one of my kids, and it's something that I probably obsess over unhealthily. So that's my story, and that's my song. Today, we're going to hear from a dad, a musician. Actually, I think it's safe to call him a rock star, who made a whole album of songs about his issues as a parent. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hilary Frank. When Bri Webb was a kid, his dad used to make him mixtapes from the radio. One of the songs on those tapes, Shout by Tears for Fears, just blew his mind. And at 13, he heard the ACDC album Who Made Who, and and he was a goner. He knew he needed to play guitar. From adolescence onwards, probably I've spent more time thinking about music than anything else. In 1999, when Bri was 21, he and a few friends formed a punk rock band called The Constantines. They were pretty big in Canada, where they're from, and in the 11 years that they were together, they made four albums, played something like 700 shows worldwide. They love performing live. You're you're hearing a recording from one of those shows right now. Like I said, it, it was punk rock, you know, big amps, loud drums. The way I sang was just essentially kind of yelling with a bit of melody in there, you know, because uh, the music was so loud. Um, I, I, there was no other way to sing. I mean, we had a few quiet songs, but for the most part, I was yelling and screaming at the top of my lungs for an hour and a half straight. Just sweating from running around and, you know, throwing guitars around, you know, and, and, uh, climbing into the balcony of a venue and stuff like that while attached to your amp by a cable. Performing at such a high energy level night after night takes its toll on a person. Bri started getting sinus infections from all the screaming. He'd wake up in the morning after a show with his entire face inflamed. His typical rock star fast food diet didn't help. By his 10th year in the band, he was couch surfing constantly In fact, he was traveling so much, he'd given up his apartment, so he didn't really have a place to call home. It wasn't really the way I I imagined I could live for much longer. And so the, the idea of being domesticated really seemed appealing. 
Bry started imagining a place where he could stay put, where he could be surrounded by his own furniture with his own pictures on the wall, where he could cook his own food. He was dating someone pretty seriously, and to his great surprise, he started fantasizing about becoming a father, something he'd never imagined before. But, you know, when you really fall in love with somebody, it, it you know, the world seems like a good, a better place to bring a new person into. After a big tour, Bry married that girl he was in love with, a dancer named Katie. They got a place in Montreal and started setting up the nest Bry had been dreaming of, minus the kid. Because I had started to, with Katie, establish uh, a feeling of home for the first time in a long time, being away um, really started to f- get harder and harder. And with with the like the last few years of the Constantines, it was just um, I, I, I was realizing that I needed to to rethink things and and to pull pull back and probably stop. Was there a moment where you realized you couldn't do this anymore? Well, uh, the the big thing, honestly, is just that. Really, in that last year, another thing that happened is that um, my wife and I did get pregnant, um, and uh, so we were planning for that um, even before I had started talking to the band about stopping, and then uh, we had a miscarriage, uh, which was really devastating, and that was when I recognized that I couldn't balance the two worlds uh, that I needed to draw the line and, and and say, I need to make the shift in my life to this other focus. To say Bry made a shift in his life is a drastic understatement. He didn't just quit the Constantines. He quit music. I mean, I, I think I kind of treated it like a really bad breakup where I, I just tried not to... Uh, think about it. Uh, I tried to to separate myself from it completely, and I think I didn't even really listen to much music for a while. Um, I put away my guitar that I used uh, mainly in the Constantines. I kind of put it away in a closet. I mean, that's that's like a big deal. I mean, I so I feel like I I can relate to this because, like in my in my twenties and early thirties, I made my living as, as a creative type, you know, like Mm -hmm. as a writer and as a radio producer and I wasn't making money doing it. Um, and there like came a time when I realized I would never number one, be able to support myself, like let alone a child. And I just kind of, I swore off of it, Mm -hmm. you know, I like, and I think I just like, I became even like resentful of, creativity in general Mm -hmm. this thing that seemed like it was preventing me from being able to be a mom it was like the way i saw it yeah i know that feeling they're talking about exactly i mean i think that's that's a big part of where i was at the time um you know the constantines were around for 11 years and we learned to be musicians together and without loud music without the kind of wildness um as a context for for performing and being creative, I didn't know what how to do it, and so I think I panicked a bit and and thought that I had to focus all of my energy or as much as possible on on you know learning a a, a trade, learning a skill that that would 
lead to a more uh, family-friendly lifestyle. So I, I you know, I, I went into construction. And wh- why construction? Well, it just, I think I needed to, to feel like I was building something, you know. Um, waking up at a reasonable hour, packing a lunch, going to work, and seeing the products of your own handiwork in in a day was was really good for my mind at the time and sort of towards the end of that construction project uh the main one that I had done that year um we realized that we were pregnant again um and so yeah that was that was part of it was feeling like okay this is my going to be my livelihood as a dad Three months into the pregnancy, Brian and Katie moved to Guelph, a city in Ontario, because they found it more affordable and kid-friendly than Montreal. It's got a lake, lots of green space to play in. Brian put out the word there that he was looking for construction work, but through some connections wound up finding a job at a community radio station, not, not as a DJ or anything, just doing administrative work. And I was still on the, in my mind, not going to be a musician. But my friend Jenny uh, Mitchell who performs as uh, Jenny Omnicord, incredible songwriter and lyricist. I was talking to her at one point, and and she just said to me that, you know, one of the best things you can show your child is that it's possible to live off of the things you make or live off of the things that you love to do, um, potentially more uh, important than, you know, being able to supply all of the material things that you want to be able to. Um, Did you believe that that was possible? I mean, you know, you you had quit because it wasn't sustainable having having a kid and, and living off of your music. So when Jenny said that to you, did you did you believe her? No, but I think I didn't believe her right away or I resisted it right away because I had committed to the decision that I had made. I was really stubborn about considering that there might be a middle ground or, uh, you know, some other kind of balance that I hadn't considered. Um, so that her saying that and, and a few other conversations I had had with other friends that were still making art and, and had become parents just kind of started little gears turning in, in my head again and, and, or started to make it seem a little more inviting uh, music making, you know. And then Asa was born in January of that year, and we fell in love, you know, and, and everything seemed kind of possible in that, that blissful first, you know, few months or, you know, whatever, the first year. Um, and one night I was just, he he was sleeping in our bed, and I got up and was just, you know, feeling contentment uh, and went downstairs and sat down and thought about writing him a lullaby. And it's funny because I had spent most of my musical career singing like as gregariously (laughs) as, as possible, like with as much confidence or like loudness and projection as possible. And this thing was was something that was really fragile and a little a little quiet little song to sing to him at night it was uh really liberating but i think i was i was afraid 
of music at the time. And so trying to do that was very foreign to me as well. Would you be able to sing maybe the first couple of lines the way that you think it came out of your mouth at that time? <laughs> uh, I could try. Um, Hmm. Let the sun rise in the morning Let the shadows grow when the evening comes Let your errands wait until tomorrow Carry on and play and let the day be long When I say so that was the beginning of me playing music again, really. Let the shadows grow to the end of the road. I will carry you home. That lullaby broke the dam, and Bry started writing more songs and more songs. Before long, he had an entire album. The lullaby is the first track. It's called Asa, and it's about all the meanings of his son's name. It means little hawk in Nigerian. It means uh, wings in Portuguese. It means uh, healer in Hebrew. Oh, and um, morning in Japanese, I believe. Oh, and sharp also, sorry, sharp in Latvian. So trying to put those all in a verse in a way, in an arrangement that actually painted a little picture of, you know, the, the gentleness and kind of openness that I... I knew in him or through him. All of the songs on the album, it's called Provider, are about Asa. They're not really about him. They're they're for him. In each song, Bry is sending Asa a message. Things, you know, he hopes Asa can take in as he grows to help him find his way in a world that is often messy. A big one was just the idea of recognizing the importance of a moment while you're in it. Um, so the second song on the record is called Rivers of Gold. Rivers of Gold. There's lines in that song like, you know, isn't it fine when your time ain't bought and sold? And, you know, that that is maybe a little way of, of just trying to trying to convey that you know the world will will try to assign value to the moments in your life by paying you for your productivity um but the truth is that the most valuable moments in your life will probably be those where you haven't punched a clock you know isn't it fine when your time ain't brought so rivers of gold The song Low Life is uh, kind of about addressing the pressure around you to uh, have a more uh, conventional life. 
which is something I think a lot of people uh, in the arts potentially face from from family and uh, you know as you're facing having a kid um, and recognizing the support structure that exists in in the in the smaller unit in, in the you know with your partner and, and your child um, as as enough I heard them say he's no provider he can't stand beside her no way you know you're you're describing these things and it sounds like you're maybe you are making um like little nuggets of wisdom for your son but it also sounds like you're talking to yourself sure yeah um and and that's the thing with that record is it's you know i I think through through asa uh i learned how to approach life again in in a better uh healthier way um and and i with the constantines uh you know whenever i was talking about survival and and work and you know figuring out how to how to sustain oneself like it was about oneself it was it was about one person and the people that i knew but individually figuring out how to survive um and at the point that asa was born it just became all about writing songs either about being responsible or trying to figure out how to be responsible for someone else um sort of for the first time and um also trying to tell somebody things that they might like to know that might help as they discover the world you know you know writing is the way that i uh come to understand most of the world or try to organize things that i don't understand but uh, I didn't know how to write for a while there and, and when Asa came around the idea of writing for him um, allowed me to, to start organizing or trying to understand the world in those terms again carry on and play at the end of the day I will carry you Bry Webb lives in Guelph, Ontario, with his wife, Katie, and their son, Asa. Asa is now three years old. Bry has been working on a new album. It comes out May 20th, and we are debuting the opening song, As We Speak. The record is called Free Will. What would you learn me with the conditions of... And it's just about... Uh, you know, being a parent of a three-year-old or a toddler, you know, and, and uh, you know, wanting to um, teach someone to be a responsible and respectful person, but also trying to celebrate uh, independence and willfulness, you know. You can't civilize, you can't civilize, you can't civilize me. Do you think you'll ever scream on stage again? Uh, yep. 
I want to do that again. Bri is going to do that again. The Constantines are reassembling for a reunion tour this summer. It'll be the 11th anniversary of their album, Shine a Light. And if you're able to get out for a night, these guys are really fun to see live. Uh, I know because I saw them in Chicago back before I was even thinking about having a baby. There's a link on our website where you'll be able to keep on top of the band's tour dates. You shine a light. Our mom's group on Facebook has been going so well that I decided to start one for dads, too. Uh, Several of you dads out there requested that I do this. You know who you are, so join up. You can find a link to the group at LongestShortestTime.com. Today's episode was brought to you with support by Music Together. Uh, I started this podcast because new parents need support. Uh, And one of the biggest ways I got support for myself in my early days as a mom was by taking my daughter to Music Together classes. Uh, When I was working through things like sleep deprivation and toddler tantrums, I knew I could always count on that hour each week to connect with Sasha through music and movement. Music Together has locations all over this country, all over the world, actually. Spring semester classes start soon. Go to musictogether.com to find a class near you and register. Support today also comes from diapers.com. Get 20% off your first order at diapers.com or any of their other sites where you can find things like musical instruments, musical puzzles, toys that play music, with the code LONGEST20. That's LONGEST20. Thank you to everyone who submitted songs you made up for the top of the show. Thanks to Bri Webb's music label, Ide Fix. I'm Hilary Frank, back in two weeks at 3 a.m. with a new episode of The Longest Shortest Time. And as always, if you have a story of a surprising struggle in early parenthood that you'd like me to consider for this podcast, Go to longestshortesttime.com and submit your story. You shine a light, a light on me, a light on me. It I'm standing outside Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. Inside, there are like a trillion objects, and I have to go in there and find ten. So we open a drawer here, and there's Indiana Jones's jacket and Indiana Jones's whip. What is this? Prince donated this guitar. (gasps) I'm Asif Manvi, and I am lost at the Smithsonian. Where do I begin? This place is obviously full of fascinating stuff. Fonzie's jacket, worn by Henry Winkler on Happy Days. There are 156 million objects in the Smithsonian's collections. Here are Muppets. These aren't just objects. They're pieces of America's self-identity. I'm looking at a, a robe with the name Muhammad Ali. Only 10 episodes, only 10 objects. That's pretty amazing. Lost of the Smithsonian is out now. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. 
He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. 